Hey, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and um, we're, we're, we're getting into the Christmas story. We're going to look this morning at the shepherds, and let me put it in context of Luke chapter 2, and Luke is writing a story. He, he's actually writing the history of the birth of the church, and he starts with um, the events in chapter 1 of, of Elizabeth and her husband, and they get notice that John the Baptist is going to be born, and then after that they um, start with Mary, and, and Mary and has to give the unpregnant, which is quite extraordinary in and of itself, and and my belief is it doesn't go well with the family. And then Joseph, Joseph goes ahead and he has a dream and, and he's going to marry Mary. And in the process, I believe that they're kind of excommunicated out of the family. They're kicked out and so they've got to make the lonely trek to Bethlehem. And so they make the lonely trek to Bethlehem. And, and the passage in Luke says after they get to Bethlehem, they, they look for a place to stay and they can't find a place to stay. And so they go to a, a manger, a stable where the baby is born, and then the baby is born, and now we're going to pick it up what it says this, and the shepherds cut to shepherds out in the field, watching their sheep at night. And, and I just want to spend some time this morning, and it was a great transition from the song that was just played to what was going on in the shepherd's life, what was going on and what they saw and what they heard. And, and while the shepherds were watching their sheep, they were drunk without a bath for days, they're with rotten teeth, bad manners, and scoundrels as their best friends. You gotta figure out, you go, we gotta, we gotta put the context of who Jesus, who the angels shared with. We've gotta understand who the shepherds were and the culture in which they reside. And so shepherds were really thought of as being the outcasts, the outsiders of the culture. They probably were thought of being drunk a lot of times and story of a guy named Waylon Pentagrass. Waylon Pentagrass was drunk one night. He was coming home, and he thought, well, he'd break into this house, and he'd steal some stuff. And, and sure enough, he goes into the house. He finds a suitcase there, and he, and he pilfers the stuff, gets out, and he says, well, i got to cover my tracks. And so Waylon does what all bad crooks do, is, is he sets fire to the house. And he walks around the block, and, and he gets back to his house. But when he gets to the back of the house, he sees some fire trucks at his house because the drunk Waylon set fire to his own house to cover the fact that he stole from himself. You know, and, and he's just a drunkard. He, he's a guy that, that, you know, wasn't no good. He, he couldn't think well. And, and that's probably what the shepherds are like. I'm going to give you an idea of shepherds were, but, but let's, let's back up a little beyond the culture of Jesus. Let's look a little bit about the times because even though in the Jesus time they were rotten people, it wasn't always that way. You know, we like to look at the Old Testament. We like to look and see, well, what are some of the things we can learn from the Old Testament? And there were five shepherds, five men who were of renown. And I want you to think, if you know the Bible well, can you think of five shepherds that are mentioned as shepherds specifically in the Bible? And then, then I want you to think of, of which one would be the first one. There are five great shepherds in the first one. I just quickly gave you that one. Think about them however you want. I've got them in chronological order. And so I gave it away if you just saw like Abel. Abel was the first shepherd, right? Um, he's the one who, who brought, he's pictured as being faithful and innocent. He's the guy who brought his, his sacrifice to God and, and he's faithful and he's innocent. And yet he was slain by his wicked brother. 
And the picture there is of ultimately, ultimately it's a picture of what will happen to Jesus is, is he's faithful and he's innocent and he's going to be slain by his brothers. And so we see Abel as being the very first shepherd mentioned in the Bible. And, and all of a sudden you got to think of the rich and a have. And then in the course of time, the reputation gets ruined. And so there's another shepherd, another shepherd that we know by name because we studied him in the book of Genesis. I'm going to see if you guys figure it out. Jacob! Jacob is the next shepherd. You know, Jacob was a, a really, really good shepherd. He was a kind of guy that could take two sheep and make ten out of them. And we don't know how he did it, but he was just blessed by God. You know, he's talking to his uncle Laban, and, and now at this passage, he's, he's negotiating a price for his wife. And he's saying, you know what, I'll, I'll do this for seven years. He goes, don't give me anything, but if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them for the next seven years so that I can have... And, and so he was really... God blessed him. God, God abundantly, above and beyond, allowed him to shepherd and he cared for them. He nurtured them and, and he watched over his sheep. But he is seen as one who cares for his flock. So a shepherd... It, second thing we know that a shepherd cares for the flock. A shepherd cares and makes sure that they're taken care of. And the third one is really close to Jacob. The third shepherd that we see in the Bible is that of J- Joseph. Joseph is seen as one who feeds the flock and provides for them when they are hungry and they are in need. And what a great summary that is of all of the lessons we learned over the last four or five months in here. About Joseph, we learned about Joseph. And Joseph was a good shepherd. He was a good shepherd before he was even 17. Remember? He was, uh, there's Simeon, there's Levi who were mistreating the animals and, and it was Joseph who reported that to his dad. And then Joseph, Selected, go, go check on your brothers to see how they're taking care of the sheep because Joseph was well attuned to that. And we know that, that the brothers didn't like the fact that Joseph was tattling on them and so the brothers ultimately took him and, and put him in the well and sold him off. And what does Joseph do in Egypt? Joseph gathers up all of the grain from, from the five years of feast. He gathers it all up. Why? So he can feed and care for the people. Not just his brothers. But he feeds and cares for all of the Egyptians who's seen as one who feeds the flock and provides for the hungry and those in need. What a great picture of a shepherd is someone who takes care of the flock and feeds them, leads them to the green pastures and knows that they're hungry. And so he knows that they've got to leave this place that is now short in grass and doesn't have anything he needs to lead them to the next place where there is green pastures green food, and, and they are hungry and in need, and he takes care of them and nurtures them. That's Joseph. Ah, if you were going to pick a person in the Old Testament who would be kind of the pinnacle, one of the, one of the key players in all of the Old Testament, it would be Moses. And the heritage, the rich vein of wisdom and in role of a shepherd in the biblical language is that of Moses. Moses watered and protected it and guided the sheep. We see that in Exodus chapter 2. Moses comes out and, and he's scared because he saw that the Egyptians were being mistreated. And, I mean, the Hebrews were being mistreated. And so he kills an Egyptian to defend the Hebrew. And then he runs away because he knows that he, um, his life was in danger. And now he heads off to Midian. And it says, and now a priest of Midian, her seven, his seven daughters, they came to draw water. And they filled the troughs of water for their flocks. That's what the ladies, the daughters are coming out to fill the troughs of water so that the sheep could have some water. And, and then all of a sudden, some other girls off, get out of here, get out, go, go, go. And 
What does Moses do? Moses doesn't do that. He, he, he defends the sheep. And he uh, guides them and he gives them water. And the other verse says, Now Moses was tending the flocks of Jericho, his father-in-law. And he led the flocks on the far side of the wilderness because Moses understood he needed to take them to where they needed to go. And what a great picture being a shepherd ultimately is for Moses. Forty years as a shepherd over the sheep so that Moses became qualified to then lead the people to the promised land. If, if you're talking about a great shepherd, you're talking about somebody of nobility, somebody to look up to, it would be Moses. Moses was a shepherd, and yet the position of shepherd ultimately diminishes. The last person that we have is David. David risked his life for the sheep. In 1 Samuel 17, the great passage where David takes on Goliath, and we know that David is a shepherd, and David says, says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We know that passage, it comes from Psalm 23. And David says this to Saul. When Saul is facing Goliath, the army is quaking in their boots. We don't know what to do about the Goliath guy. He's scared, and we're on one side of the valley, they're on the other side. And David says, I'll do it. And so David says this to Saul. He says, your servant has sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and I rescued the sheep from the mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, uh, he's going to be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. David, a a great courageous shepherd, a, a great man of eminent faith that we that we admire, we'd follow, and, and we learn lessons from. David was a great shepherd. So you would think that if you're a shepherd, you've got, you've got some significant um, lines to follow. Old Testament truth. If you're a Hebrew, you're going, these are the men of old, men of renown. These are the men I should follow. I should emanate. Emulate, I'm sorry. And, but no, shepherds ultimately become downcast. They become thought of as other people. By the time Jesus arrives on the scene, the shepherds had a very bad reputation. One guy, Dr. Jacob Jeremias, he said shepherds were despised in everyday life. In general, they were considered second class and untrustworthy. One passage of the ancient Jewish text describes shepherd as incompetent. One should never feel obliga- obligated to rescue a shepherd if a shepherd falls into a well. You got a person who's stuck, and he's a shepherd. You go, well, that person's stuck. A shepherd could not fulfill judicial offices. They couldn't be admitted into court as a witness, nor did they have any civil rights. He wrote, to buy wool from a shepherd. To buy wool, milk, or a kid from a shepherd was to be forbidden on the assumption that it would be stolen property. So the shepherd comes up and says, I've got this baby sheep. Do you want to buy this baby sheep? No, it's probably stolen. I've got this goat milk. Do you want to buy some milk? No, it's probably stolen. And you would never ever purchase anything from a shepherd because you would assume that it was stolen because 
All they did was they sat around, they drank, they stole, they connived, they, they told bad, rotten stories. And so the religious leaders maligned them. Rabbis banned them from pastoring and evil. And so the religious leaders always spoke bad about shepherds. In fact, one religious leader says, I don't even know, I can't could write this, the Lord is my shepherd because he thought so poorly of shepherds. Shepherds were not allowed, they were so poorly thought of, they were not allowed to, to graze or pasture sheep close to Israel. Mary and Joseph riding the donkey. They get to the inn. The inn is packed. It's filled. They can't do anything. They take the baby to the stable. Probably, tradition has it, that the shepherds that we're going to find were the shepherds that, that watched the sheep that would go to, that would ultimately be sacrificed. Remember last week, be sacrificed to shepherd, to sheep every day at nine o'clock. So far. And at three o'clock, another sheep. And so a shepherd would come to the priest outside of the temple, uh, dirty, and, and they'd present the sheep to the priest. And, and they'd want to peek, look around. Can I go inside the temple? Can I see what's in there? No, no, you're dirty, you're unclean. If the priest would even make eye contact with the guy. If the priest would acknowledge who they were. They were second-class citizens. They were pushed off. They were, they were forbidden to enter into the presence of the temple. They were forbidden to raise sheep in the, the community around Israel. And, and so the shepherds had to walk with their head down and drop off the sheep. Turn ashamed because of who they were. They were horrible. And so they go from riches of the Old Testament to the rags of their current condition. The outcast then, the outcast the people who don't have a good reputation, the people who, who are pushed aside, pushed out because of their past, because of what they've done, because of where they grew up, because of, because of who they were, because of what they did as a living, the outcasts were outcast. But we're going to see this great message in the Christmas story, this message of the birth of Jesus, that the outcast, the outcast receive a revealing invitation. Luke chapter 2, I'm picking it up in verse Chapter 2, verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And so they had this encampment, and in the encampment they would come, and they'd go out and graze during the day, and they'd bring the sheep back, and they'd have sheep pens, in which the shepherds would stay awake, because can you imagine they had to listen to the environment. They had to say, oh, oh, I hear something over there. Is, it, is that a wolf? Is that a bear? What is that over there? Is that a lion that's going to come and take my sheep? They had to listen carefully. They could feel the breeze of the evening, the night wind against them. They, they could smell the smoke from the fire. They hear the crackling. And they're probably telling stories around the campfire at this point. They're, they're pretty musical and some might be playing a flute of some sort. It might be playing the lyre. And so they're telling stories. They're, they're around the campfire. They're cooking their meal been a long day. They've been out in the fields. And now they're keeping watch. They're watching over at the pen, making sure nothing comes in that's not invited and, and none of the sheep who are sleeping peacefully leave. And they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Imagine this. Imagine that it is pitch black. You don't have you don't have lights like you do 
tonight. You don't have, you don't have, you don't have stars. And that's it. You have stars. And, and imagine being afraid. It'd be like this. If, you guys ever seen the night sun from the helicopter shine on you? Hello! Okay, if you could turn it down a bit, Matt, that's great. It gives the impression. And, um, well, maybe he can't. Maybe I will. Um, wouldn't that be terrifying? Have you ever been out at night and, and imagine a helicopter flying over the TV? Mr. Stump, please get out of the car. <laughs> you know, okay, okay, I'm done. I'm over with. It's over. You know, you got the helicopter just flying over the top of you and that would scare the heebie-jeebies out of you. But imagine this. It's dark at night and it's the same night that you saw the night before and the night before that. The breeze gently blowing, the smoke from the fire just gently whifting off to the side. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, out of the middle of air, the angel of the Lord shone around them. And you would totally think, I'm a dead man. My number is over. We're done. Okay, good to know you. I'm, I'm out of here because I am a horrible sinner. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord comes in front of me. He comes to see me. Be afraid. You're like this. And, and all you see is bright light. And then, then a, an image appears the angel of the Lord standing there, super bright. You've never seen anything. Not be afraid. That's your first response, right? That's your first reaction. The bright light shining upon you. The glory of God. The the dimension ripped open. And all of a sudden you see the angel of God in front of you. And the bright light. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And you think, Praise the Lord, he's not after me, right? And he, what is this good news? And, and, and how good is it that, that the angel of God appears before me and, and says this proclamation? And so we continue and says, today in the town of David, just down there, just on the other side of that hill, you know, Bethlehem, where you're from, Bethlehem, a Savior has been, he is the Messiah, he is the Lord. Well, every Jew was anticipating the return of the Messiah. Every Jew was looking forward for the birth of the Messiah, See, they wanted out from underneath Roman oppression. They wanted to be their own country. They wanted to be ruled by God's choice, man, the Messiah, the Savior. And this would be great news. We get out from under the oppression of Rome. Hallelujah. Fantastic. Beautiful. The Messiah is born. And and that would be fantastic, utterly fantastic news. And so they continue to listen and look at the brightness of the light of the angels and a sign, he continues, and this will be a sign to you. And you will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, and I put baby Jesus. Because we all know that's what little babies do, right? They cry, they poop, and that's what they do. They eat, they poop, they cry. That's a baby for you. And, and so, you know, any angelic little halo baby, that's the wrong kind of baby. That's a deceptive baby. That's not the real baby. The real baby, Jesus cries. Ah! You know, and poor Mary, he's colicky. Okay. Am I being sacrilegious? Or are you guys just stuck with a golden halo Jesus that, that wasn't really a baby? Um, no, no, he, Jesus is in a, a manger and they know where that's at. See, they took care of the temple's sheep and, and, and they know where the manger is at because that would be, imagine, imagine in a manger close to the sheep pen where all the babies, all the lambs that were to be slaughtered every single day with the words, God, remember your covenant with Abraham. Save us. 
And, 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 and the sheep where, where remember your covenant and the baby Jesus is born. Remember Jesus. Remember your covenant. Save us. Oh my goodness, that, that becomes awesome and becomes beautiful when you get the picture, when you see it, what happens. And suddenly, and, and as if that angel isn't enough, suddenly, look at this, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angel praising God and saying, it is, it is all the stars are now gone and, and angels and they're singing. And it is, it is such an unusual event that very, very few biblical writers see it. John sees it when he says, and he hears them thinking, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He sees all of the greatness and, and the light's shining upon me brighter and brighter. I feel like this is the moment. You guys see the lights getting brighter on me? Okay, I was just wondering. Okay. And, um, wait, 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 the angels are still there singing. Come back, angels. Okay. Um, and, and, and the temple, the, the, Whatever it is, however the angels are seen are showing off. And they're singing this great song. And they're singing, glory to God in the highest, to those His favor rests. What a great song. The angels are just singing over and over and over again. Glory to God in the highest. And so they are worshiping. They cracked open the dimension in which they live. They are singing and praising. And everywhere you look, angelic beings hearing and, and it makes stereo sound horrible and, and the new sounds and echoing in their mind and, and peace on earth with whom his favor rests. And then it's down. The angels are gone. And then they look at one another and they think, i got to put that little glass away. Maybe I had a little, I don't know. But then they go, no, that was real. And they pinch themselves. No, no, I'm still here. I just saw an angel of God and, and he didn't take me away. What do I do? How do we respond? And, and I think they, they don't instantly bolt down because of how the text puts them in the place they put them. So the angels had left and they'd gone into heaven and the shepherds said to another, let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that the, has happened about what the Lord spoke to us. And so we got to make a plan because we still have sheep. How do we take care of the sheep? How do we watch the sheep? And because we got to make sure nothing happens to the sheep. And so they're working. They're responsible. They're, they're taking care of the sheep. And I think that they go in the morning because there are people that they tell the story to. And so they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph lying and the baby in the manger. And they were like this guy from Seinfeld. And watch, they just get up and they go, no, no, we got to go, we got to go, got to go quick! And he runs off, and they see the baby Jesus crying in the manger. They had that encounter with the angels, and, and they make their way to go visit, but carefully they approach Mary, and they hear the sound of the baby. I love that. And Joseph, who, he doesn't know what to do. He's going, ah, I don't know what to do next. Hot water? Everybody needs hot water. I don't know what to do, Mary. Just take care of the baby. And the shepherds might know what to do. They have a history of being able to deliver babies. They have a history of being able to take care of little lambs. And so the shepherds just might actually know what to do in this situation, having delivered baby after baby after baby after baby. And and Joseph, not knowing what to do, invites them in, and, and these unclean, uncouth, unmannered men come alongside Mary, and they help, and they see the baby Jesus, who is lying in the manger, and they get some food, and they help Mary, and they help Joseph out. 
And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it, shepherds said. The shepherds now cross some cultural boundaries. The shepherds now cross some relational boundaries. The shepherds know they're the outcasts. They, 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 know, they know that people eh, they don't have any rights, but yet the, they speak now to people who they normally wouldn't speak to. They talk to people, they engage in conversation, and they tell them about their encounter with the angels. But Mary, she treasures of all of these things, and she pondered them in her heart. She kept them into her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all of the things in which they had heard and seen and which had been just as they were. Let me give you, summarize, let me remind you of four things that happened as you fill in the blanks. One, they received the message. They received the message. The angel told them the Messiah was to be born. And my question is, have you received the message? The Messiah has been born. The message is, is that all of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And some might have, you know, more external sin, but all of us, all of us have the poison of sin flowing in our veins and in our hearts. None of us are perfect, and the message is, is that because none of us are perfect and God loves you, God wants to have a relationship with you, a personal relationship, deeply, deeply, to be invited into your life and and so he sent his son, fully God and fully man. And the brain twister that that is and how that works, I don't know. And that boy grew up to be a man, and a man had followers, but ultimately a man was faithful, faithful to his father. And he goes up on a cross. At nine in the morning, the lamb is slain. God, remember your covenant with Abraham. Save us at three o'clock. The Savior, the human, the wonderful baby, dies. And he's put into a tomb, a tomb hewn of rock. He's buried, he's dead, he stays there for three days. Ain't no tomb in the world can hold our Savior. There is no piece of earth that can hold the creator of the earth. There's no, there's no seal that could keep him sealed. He is Christ the Lord, and, and he bursts forth and he opens up that tomb as if it's a piece of dust on a coffee table and, and he opens it up and he invites us because he's living, he's active, he's alive. And he invites us into a relationship with him as we accept his death, his burial, and his resurrection for our sins. And we say, Lord, I accept your payment for my sins. Come into my life. Lord, 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 forgive me of my sins. I now accept your son. The shepherds received the message and then they examined the message. You know, sometimes we have an emotional experience. We have this experience that, that is highly emotional. You get caught up in the emotion of the moment. You go, wow, that was fantastic. I love that. That was so cool. That was the best thing ever. And you get hyped up about the moment. But then you've got to examine the, the moment and say, was that really true? Did it really happen? Notice, though, the angel said, the babe will be here. And the shepherds went from the fields to the manger. They didn't say, okay, good, I believe the angel. Okay, good, good, I believe the angel. He said it, it has to be true. No, they went and examined it. And so that's what we want to challenge. Maybe some of you have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, but, but you don't examine the message every day. You don't get into the God's word and say, God, show me today, teach me today, talk to me today about your son. From the sacrifice 
of Abel to the closing thoughts and revelation. Jesus is intertwined and woven throughout all of those pages and our goal is to get to know him better. And that's why we do Sunday school every Sunday. That's why we invite you to come every Sunday morning to participate in it because we want you to examine the message. That's why we do midweek Bible studies because we want you to examine the message. You had an emotional experience. You accepted Jesus Christ, but now don't let your faith be unchecked or unchallenged, but grow in your message. Examine the message. The next, the angels shared the message. The angels then said, you know what? I, I, I received the message. I, I, I heard what the angel said. I went out and I checked it out. It, yep, it examined, and now I get to share the message. One of the things that helps your faith become solid is telling other people about your faith. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross simply for you. And so you accept it. You go, okay, good, I'm going to heaven. And then, then that's the exclusivity of your faith. See, back, Joseph, seven years of feast and seven years of famine, and multiple times he says, you know what, I did this more than just the 70 of you that came down. But there's a whole bunch of people in Egypt who were also saved because of the message which God gave me earlier. How about you? How are you doing at sharing the message? Yesterday at the parade that I had invited you all to, and 99% of you didn't show up to the parade, um, I had a great conversation with a guy named Kevin. Kevin is, uh, and we were just watching the parade together, and this is what I wanted you to do, just talk to somebody. Uh, so I met Kevin at the parade, and, and Kevin is moving his business into Colton. And Kevin and I ultimately, he asked me how I got to Colton, and so I got to tell him my story of God working and moving in order to get me to the spot. And I told him how God got me into college and, and how God answered so many of my prayers. And, and I was able to testify and tell and share the story of God working in my life. And, and he ultimately was able to tell me that eh, he's a nominal Christian. He leads, quote, somewhat of a Christian life. And so I invited him to church. I invited him to our candlelight service because he has a couple of kids who were on the float right behind Santa Claus. And so God had arranged it so that were stuck with me for the whole entire parade. <laughs> it was awesome because we just stopped. We'd say hi, and, and I saw Tony and Belinda with their float there. And, um, you know, it was really a great opportunity just to get to know him. And before I got to know him, I got to know another young gal named Lorna. And Lorna was working a booth, and Lorna started to share with me how her company that she was working for was closing down their Inland Empire shop and kind of giving her a layoff notice, very subtle layoff notice. And so I talked to her about the answer to prayer that happened to Darlene just a couple of weeks ago. Now Darlene and I had some conversations and, and, and I was able to encourage Darlene, but she did all the work. And now Darlene has a great job and looking for a job and I encouraged Lorna to call me up. I'll coach you on how you can be interviewed. I'll coach you and help you apply for those jobs and get a new job. See, all I'm doing is sharing the message of what God has done through me and in me and for me. And that's what I want you all to do. It's not that scary. It's not that hard. You just got to put yourself in a place where those things exist. And if you don't put yourself in a place where those things exist, you're a bad shepherd. You, 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 you don't have any sheep to care for. You don't have any sheep to watch over. 
You just have yourself and you think, God, really, you saved me. Thank you very much for that. I take that and I keep it. It's like you have a lot of love, but you never share love. And so you're just loving yourself. We need to love other people. We need to love the shepherds, those people who are on the other side of life, those people who are the outcasts, those people who are thought of as the rotten scoundrels. And so for some of you Democrats, you need to talk to some Republicans. And for some of you Republicans, you need to talk to and engage some of the Democrats because, you know, those boundaries need to be crossed and may the Christians cross them. May the Christians be the people that, that are engaging and sharing their faith. And notice this is all under the canopy of praise. They praise God for the message. These shepherds were counted as worthy to receive the message from the angel when the, the rabbis, the princesses, and the priests would be the natural person in whom that message should come to. Instead, God didn't count that. He didn't go to the rabbis. He didn't go to the religious leaders. He didn't go to the righteous people. He went to the shepherds, the sinners, those people who were thought of as outcasts. He went to them, and he shared the glorious message, and he ripped open the space-time continuum, however he did it, and he revealed who he was. So the questions are this. Have you received the message? If you have not received, died for you, have not made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm going to say, do not leave here this morning until you do. Do not walk out of here this morning saying, that's a good message, I'll do that again. Because you don't know that you'll be able to do it again. I want to challenge you, if you have never received Jesus Christ as Lord, just pray in the quietness of your chair, your pew right now, and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I'm sorry, Lord, I'm a sinner I've fallen short of your grace. Come. And after you receive the message, you need to examine it. After you receive Jesus as Lord, you need to be a person who examines the Scriptures, follows it through, checks it out. And after you check it out, you need to share the message. You must share the message. And it doesn't count that you tweet about it. Hey, you know, that doesn't count. It doesn't count that you put a Facebook post. Oh, look, I'm a Christian. That doesn't count. Eyeball to eyeball, face to face, interaction to interaction. You need to share the message. You need to be people who have a personal interaction with somebody. To share that because they can see your heart through the message. And then you need to praise God continually. Because he has counted you worthy. And I'm looking at you. Not many of you, the Apostle Paul, birth. I don't know anyone here who is part of the top 25 billion billionaires in the world, unless you're really, really good at hiding it. And if you're part of the Billionaires Club, you're a horrible tither, okay? <laughs> you just, you know, we're, we're down $12,000 from last year, and you're part of the Billionaire Club. Man, I got some messages to you about giving to God, Okay. Um, so not many of you are born of noble birth. Not many of you are born of royalty. Not many of you are born even with prestige. You're common everyday folk. You're normal, working class, hard-working, honest people. The news is that God has chosen you to give the message to. Chosen you and you. And he's told you to share that message. 
He gave it to the shepherds, common, ordinary, normal people, kind of outcasts from the wealthy, the rich, the righteous. And he's told you to go and share the message. And now he's counted you worthy to, to, to be a person that can praise him, that can lift his name up. So the bottom line this morning, church, the, the very last thought is be a person who continually and courageously and consciously follows the example of the shepherds. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. For these men and these women who have had that experience, they've heard your voice. And the miracle that it is that you can use this sinner to communicate your word, your truth, your life, your love. Lord, the people in the church have heard. May they examine it now. May they dig in true into your text and see that this is a word that resonates from the beginning and the end into your word. And, and Lord, now may they share it. Invite others. I pray for Kevin. I pray for Lorna both of whom need you, Lord, both of whom long for a simple job and the simple destiny in, in Colton. Lord, I pray that we would be people who, who engage with others. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be challenged and to challenge. In your precious name we pray. Amen.